through a difficult time, and it was a, a time, and if you were going to go into their brains and hear what they were thinking, uh, the wife's brain was going like this. He just seems so distant. No matter how much I talk, no matter how much I try to communicate, he just seems like he's off in another world. And so to try and remedy that. She said, hey, let's go out and have a romantic dinner together. And he said, sure. So they went out to dinner, and it was there at dinner. He still was just off in space. And, and she was like, what is he thinking about? Is there another woman? Is there something going on? He doesn't want to tell me. What, what is his focus in all of this? So they go home, and he sits in front of the TV, and the TV's on, and he's looking at it but not really watching it. And she's there on the sofa next to him thinking, what in the world is happening? I'm losing my husband. Our marriage is falling apart. And you go into the man's brain, and the whole time he's thinking this. I wonder if there's any way to get the toothpaste back in the tube after it's already out. Now, I tell you that because God, in His humor, said, I want to take one man and one woman who are so incredibly different and have so many different desires and drives in life and and have so many different things going on, and I want them to come together and live together forever. All right? And so that, that was the challenge, that God said, I'm going to create you so different, but I want you to, to have a marriage where you're one. All right? So I tell you that because as we continue this journey on how would Jesus live my life today, how would he be me if, if he had my life, the next section of the Sermon on the Mount has to do with marriage. And more specifically, it has to do with uh, how women are treated in marriage, and we're going to talk about that. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And we'll continue on the next section, just a couple of verses today. Page 969, Matthew 5, verses 31 and 32. Jesus said this, It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Okay, there's a lot going on here, but there are a couple of overarching things that I think Jesus is teaching for his time and for ours, and so I want you to hear both of these, right? The first one is, is that women should be treated with respect and honor, okay? So please hear me when I say this, that what Jesus said that day was revolutionary for his time. It was transformational for everyone that heard it. Right, So a couple of things that are going on, uh, he talks about the, the divorce certificate. And so what the law says in Leviticus is that if a man leaves his wife or chooses to divorce his wife, then he needs to give her a certificate of divorce, then allowing her to marry someone else. Now we have to understand in that culture, in that time, women had no rights, no authority, no position. In fact, uh, they couldn't divorce their husband. They were more like property. And so the reality was, if a woman had a certificate of divorce, she probably wouldn't get remarried because she was then something, well, obviously that guy didn't want her, so why would I want her? And what happened over time, over the centuries, is that, uh, and that, that the men were divorcing the women for any reason at all. Woke up one morning and said, no, I don't like her anymore. Probably a little exaggeration, but, but I don't like her anymore, so I'm getting rid of her. She cooked a bad meal. She burned the food. We're done. So this kind of thing was going on, and so, so Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to give a, a wife, a woman, a certificate of divorce, 
All right? But he said, whoa, 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 whoa. That so devalues women. It so makes them unimportant. And Jesus says, the whole system that you've created from this is wrong. Because women have more value than this. Right? But here's what Jesus said that was so revolutionary. He said, if a man gives a woman a certificate of divorce for any reason other than unfaithfulness, then he's committed adultery against her. And let me tell you how big that is. When you read the law, the way the law was written and interpreted was that a man could not commit adultery against his wife. No matter what he did. Now, a wife could commit adultery against her husband... And another man could commit adultery against another man by sleeping with that man's wife. But the husband would never be accused of adultery. That's the way they'd set it up. And so what Jesus says is, look, the system's wrong. Everybody in this relationship has value. Everybody matters. And women have value too, and you need to understand that, that in my kingdom, when you follow me, when you worship me, when you become my follower, women matter. This was a huge, revolutionary idea that would have blown their minds. In fact, the disciples later on, they were talking about marriage, and Jesus kind of reinforced this, and the disciples said, well, who wants to be married then? Right? It's very interesting how they said that. And so you need to, you need to understand that this was, a, this was a big transition when Jesus said that women have value and are important. This would have been a totally new thinking in Jesus' day and time. So, we translate that up to 2018. How would Jesus live my life? I suspect, and and we've come a long way since those times, but I suspect that Jesus would live differently than the way a lot of men live and a lot of people live. Because we've really come to the point where we devalue people. Right? I am... um, I'm going to preface this by saying I have no party affiliation, okay? The statement I'm about to make is not intended to be political in, one, in support of one side or the other, but everything that went on this past week in Washington confirmed the fact that people don't matter, in my opinion. It's not about people, it's about power. And so I look at that and I saw two people, I don't know what happened, But regardless of what happened, I think it could be handled a different way. But you have two people whose lives are tainted forever the way they did it. Because the people don't matter in this. It's the politics in it. And I think Jesus would look at this and he would say, wait a minute. We've so devalued people. We've so made them unimportant. What are you doing? Because people matter more than power. Matter more than things. And so I, I think there would just be this message for us as his followers. We, we need to revalue people. We need to give them value again. Because somewhere along the way, we've lost that. We've lost that. And so it's been so hard as, as we've gone through this journey in the last 18 months of watching so many people that we admire fall. I remember as a teenager and going to college watching the Cosby show. And it was every Thursday night, no matter what was happening, that was way before DVR, we were going to watch the Cosby Show. We loved it, and we laughed, and, and now we find out through the whole time there's a trail of women who've been left and hurt. 
devalued. One of my favorite pastors, Bill Hybels, great ministry, phenomenal things he's done. We, we find out recently that he abused his power and he manipulated women and, and, and made them property instead of valuing them. Though on the surface, it seemed to value them so highly. And we see this, and we go through this journey, and we watch all that's happened, and it's like, what have we done? We have forgotten that people matter. And we go back to followers, as followers of Jesus, and we see what Jesus taught. And Jesus said, people matter. People have value. And every person that you talk to, every person that you see, every person you interact with, wherever you are, whether it's at home or away from home, every one of them matters to God. All people have value. And Jesus was trying so hard to make that clear. My kingdom is going to be different. Everybody's going to matter. Everybody. And I think we need to hold on to that truth and we need to regain that truth and we need to take the value in a people back into a dark world that has lost that value. And when we interact with people, we need to walk away and they need to see, wow, that person, had, that person valued me. That's who we need to be as followers of Jesus. And so Jesus was focusing on women and how women were, were uh, put below men, and not only put below men, but put as property. And Jesus said, that's not going to work in my, in my kingdom. That system's no good. We're going to redo this. And, and I think Jesus was making a very bold, a very revolutionary statement, especially for his time and even for our time. Okay, well, there's a second thing that Jesus says, and I think this is the one that's a little more obvious to us, is Jesus says is that ma- marriage should be valued as well. Marriage should be held in incredibly high esteem. So what he says is verse 32, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. All right, so a couple of things that are going on. I, I think we misinterpret that verse a lot. Okay, and so I don't think Jesus is saying that adultery is the only reason that you can divorce someone. I do not for a second believe that Jesus would look into a woman's eyes whose husband is beating her almost to death and say, you have to stay with him. I do not believe that to be true. All right, in fact, before my, wife, before my daughter got married, I sat down with her soon-to-be husband, and I said, here's what you need to know. I have told my daughter, if you lay a hand on her to hurt her, Her job is to find the biggest pan she can swing in the kitchen, hit you over the head, and knock you out. And then she is going to call me, and I will take care of the rest of it. And that's all you need to know. Okay? And I've told him that. I've told her that. That's not his character. That's not who he is or what he would do. But but I I want to make it clear that I don't believe for a second that Jesus would call us to die to keep the marriage intact. Do you hear what I'm saying? So are you paying attention today? I know we've had a lot of distraction, but do you hear what I'm saying? I don't think Jesus is saying this is the only case, right? And I want to be, be careful that you hear me say that. And, and so I also want you to hear me say that divorce does not make someone unusable for the kingdom. Okay? That the forgiveness and grace that happened on the cross that conquered death covers divorce as well. But hear me say this, that Jesus put an incredibly high value on marriage. And we take it way not serious enough. 
I said that completely wrong. But we don't, we don't take it serious enough. And marriage should be celebrated and it should be encouraged. And, and those of us who are in marriage, it should be a high priority to make it not only work, but to make it flourish and thrive. Marriage should be something that we hold up in high esteem. Jesus said in Mark, uh, quoting Genesis, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So there will no longer be two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And the word united to his wife in the King James says cleave. And I think the idea in the Hebrew is that the word cleave means to be glued to or stuck to. And there's something that from the older generations that we don't learn, and I guess I can include myself in that now, um, is, is that we go into marriage with the idea, I'm in this for a lifetime. And there's days that it's going to be hard. And there's days it's going to be a struggle. But it's those days I have to decide I'm in for the rest of my life. Right? And so please hear me say that Jesus was celebrating the importance of marriage before God. When couples come to me and ask me to do their weddings, the first thing I tell them is, listen, I'll be glad to do your wedding, but you need to know if I do your wedding, we're bringing God into this. You're not just making a commitment before me, you're making a commitment before God. Right? And so that makes the stakes a lot higher. And so we need to be very careful to understand the significance of marriage as followers of Jesus as an opportunity to grow in faith. I've got a video I want to show you. Um, hope you laugh a little bit about marriage. I promise, to love, I, promise. I promise to love, honor, and respect you. I promise to love, cherish, and protect you. From this day forward. Till death do us part. I remember our wedding day. It was awesome. I mean, my dress was gorgeous and all of the flowers were so beautiful. And everybody that I loved was there, you know, all of my family and the day was just amazing. I mean, it was good. It was really, really good. And there was this moment right before I walked down the aisle and I remember looking up to God and just feeling so thankful for this man that he had given me. I was scared to death. Seriously, I thought I was going to pee my pants. I mean, I don't usually get in front of people like that, let alone wearing a tux. <laughs> Come on. I, I forgot to go to the bathroom before the ceremony started, and, and I kept thinking, don't pee yourself, and don't lock your knees, and keep breathing. And then all of a sudden, I looked up, and there she was. She took my breath away. and I never wanted it back. Our honeymoon was Amazing. I mean, we went to a tropical island and it was just a whole week of relaxing and we got to walk on the beach a lot and just spend time together. We were just so in love. We went to the street vendors, you know, and, and we were looking around at stuff and we didn't have a lot of money, but I picked up this amber necklace and I put it up against her skin and I knew she had to have it because she was worth it. And, and then, then we, we went, went home. home. Once we got home, it was like something strange started to happen. I mean, it was like aliens came into our bedroom, scooped out his brain, and filled it with gummy bears. Oh, uh, honey, are those your dirty dishes in the sink? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know we have a dishwasher, right? What? Yeah, yeah, and you're really good at it too, sweetheart. Um, could you not interrupt me when I'm watching TV? Or at least wait till a commercial. You see what I mean? Gummy bears. 
After the honeymoon, I had a sneaking suspicion that she was sneaking out at night and taking night classes at some college on some foreign language because everything she said made zero sense. Do you like this shirt on me? Yeah, looks good. So you don't like the color? What? If you don't like the color, just say you don't like the color. I mean, I don't even know why I try to look nice for you. <laughs> Wait, what just happened here? Why don't you think I'm pretty? Why, well, hold on, I do think you're pretty. Well, you never say it. I'm sorry, I think you're pretty. Well, you can't say it now. I just told you to say it. I what? mean, that totally doesn't even count. But wait, how am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to say unless you tell me what I'm supposed to say? I can't believe you don't love me anymore. I wonder some days what I ever saw in him. Did you know, in the mornings when she wakes up, her breath will melt your face off. He farts and then holds my head under the covers. That's not okay. Honestly, I'm a little scared because I think I might have married my mother. Well, they wouldn't have to act like his mother if he didn't act like a child. I mean, close the refrigerator door, pick up your shoes, take out the garbage. Seriously, how hard is it to obey? She can't cook. I think she's slowly trying to poison me with her food. Okay, two words, road rage. Two words, shopaholic. Have I mentioned he still has his comic book collection from junior high? Did I mention that she still makes fun of me for having a comic book collection from junior high? He's addicted to television. She's addicted to purses. And I don't understand this, but for some reason, she manages to lose every purse she owns in the house. Seriously, how hard is it to lose something this big? I thought we were supposed to be on the same team. Uh, I'm still on the same team. Apparently you defected, started playing for some other team that you made up in your mind. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, you don't make any sense. Well, your gummy bears don't make any sense. Oh, <laughs> you're stupid. Well, you're stupid. Well, you made me this way. Gah! I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. The purpose of marriage isn't to make us happy. It's to make us holy as we become more like him. I promise to love, honor, and respect you as you become more like him. And I promise to love, cherish, and protect you as you grow to become more like him. Like him. Just like him. It's not going to be easy. No, it's not going to be easy. But it is good. And anything that good is always worth fighting for. See, I think one of the reasons that God took people who are so different and asked them to live together forever was to remind us of how amazing grace is. And so I think Jesus is very clearly, and I think we need to hear him say, marriage matters. It matters. And so I think as followers of Jesus, we need to make our marriages a priority, but I think we also need to invest in other people's marriages, that we need to celebrate them, that we need to encourage them and, and invest in them. And some would say, well, I don't know how to do that, but, but you know, you can send a card and say, you know, I'm so impressed by your marriage, or for the tough time, hang in there. Or if nothing else, you can pray. Pray for the marriages that are represented in this building. Um, man, the world has made it so hard to be happily married. We're so distracted. We're distracted by electronics, by television, by phones, by computers, by tablets, and we, we don't even talk sometimes because of that. 
but marriage matters. It's a big deal. And so I think, I think Jesus was trying to bring the people back and bring us back as his followers to, th- to this reality that this isn't big stuff. And the world so desperately needs to see marriages that are thriving. They need to see marriages that are full of love and grace. You know, it's hard to believe, but none of us are perfect. And when you take two imperfect people and put them together in a relationship, there's going to be trouble ahead. But it's those that have determined ahead of time. And both of them have said, you know what? We know that's coming, but we're going to work through it. And if we can't work through it, we're going to get help. And it's okay to get help. It's okay to get help. So, um... We've been talking about this in light of how would Jesus live my life, and, and I think just a couple of things here. I think Jesus, whatever, whoever we are, whatever we do, wherever we're located, whatever our career, even if we're retired, that Jesus would value all people. Even those who disagree with us, whether it's politically or however they disagree, that Jesus would value everyone, that no one, no one would leave a conversation with Jesus, feeling inferior, uh, feeling devalued, feeling unimportant. And, and I think he would expect the same from us, that as you follow me, when you interact with people, no one should feel devalued or unimportant. No one. And, and I, I think that's, that's key in all of this, is that everyone has value. The second thing that I think Jesus would do is he would make a wholehearted, vital commitment to make his marriage thrive. And then if he wasn't married, that he would invest in other marriages to help them thrive. And, and I think that's what, how he would live through us today, is valuing people and valuing marriage. And so we need to model for the world. This is what you can have when you follow Jesus. This is the way it can be. And so we chase after him, and so we're not going to go through the vim because of time today, but, but, but I want you to always remember that in the means of pulling this off, it all begins in relationship with him. And being rightly connected with him and pursuing that relationship with everything that you have, and then through that, an outflow will be in exactly who Jesus wants us to be. And so when Jesus went through the Sermon on the Mount, he wasn't saying, I want you to strive to be this. He was saying, this is who you can be if you follow me. This is who you can be. And Jesus wouldn't tell us we could be something if it wasn't true. And I think we need to know that we can have marriages that thrive. We can value people regardless of who they are because of who Jesus is through us. Let's pray.